0: Kia ora koutou. I'm Philip Atali and welcome to Insight. This week, New Zealand's waste plastic and the potential damage being done in Malaysia. At the start of this year, China stopped accepting plastic imports for recycling, citing concerns for its environment. But now huge piles are mounting up in Malaysia, where illegal recycling factories are importing thousands of tonnes of the waste from around the world, including New Zealand. Exports from here have tripled in the first six months of this year. But not all of the plastic is being recycled when it gets to Malaysia, with many factories simply burning or dumping the waste. That's having a devastating effect on the local environment and on the health of the people living nearby. Nita Blake-Person travelled to Malaysia to find out more.
1: Twenty years ago, uh, my village... It's a very, very, very beautiful village. We have very fruitful uh, plantations.
2: It's late morning on a stiflingly hot Friday and Pingpua is in a car lurching down a dirt road in the town of Jingerom, about an hour's drive from the capital Kuala Lumpur. Ms Pua, a chemist, has lived here most of her life. Traditionally, she says, it's been a farming town with palm oil plantations lining the roads. But in recent months, a new business has been booming. Ms Pua points out illegal plastic recycling factories, dozens of which are now dotted throughout her town. Here and here, three illegal already. And then another 50
1: meter, another illegal. And then coming inside, uh, nearby the river, another two illegal. And then another 100 metres, uh, one again. And
2: then another about one kilometre, six again. One of these illegal factories is hidden down the back of a palm oil plantation. Tucked behind the trees in a large cleared area, roughly the size of two rugby fields, is a sprawling plastic mountain in parts four metres deep. Car parts. So many bottles. That looks like some very dead togs. Made in Australia keeps popping up. So far, no made in New Zealand. This one here says Eco Smart Refill Recharge. Well, that's gone well, hasn't it? Despite being dumped on Malaysian soil, this isn't Malaysian plastic. It's been imported here from overseas to be recycled. More than 30 of these factories have sprung up in the area since China brought in a ban on plastic imports at the start of the year. Having previously taken around 50% of the world's plastic, China's ban left many countries, including the UK, Australia and New Zealand, scrambling to find somewhere else to send their unwanted waste. Malaysia has become the new go-to country for many, including New Zealand, with exports growing generally month on month. But these factories are causing major problems for locals. They wash, they dump
1: the water to our river, and then they dump their waste, that which they don't want, just like this. And this is the waste waiting for cleaning. So this is piles and piles of plastic bags? Yes, and from the plastic uh, uh, the waste information, we know that actually this is from UK.
2: Lei Pingpua has joined forces with a group of other Jinjerong residents who have grave concerns about the impact the factories are having on their environment and health. Since uh, February early
1: of this year, we felt very, very bad uh, atmosphere and uh, un- unbearable uh, smell in the air, especially in the, uh, midnight or early in the morning. Okay, so but we didn't realize where is the source until until. We 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 gradually found that um, there were more and more factory, recycle factory, around us. But due to their high fencing design, as you see here,
3: see.
2: She says most of the factories are Chinese-owned and operated, with many simply moving their business to Malaysia when the ban came into effect. Once they salvage what they can for recycling, they ship the plastic pallets they produce back to China to be made into new products. The factories have set up in the plantations here because the area is close to the port and the rent is cheap. There's also easy access to waterways for disposing of their dirty water after they have washed the plastics, many of which are filthy and highly contaminated, ready for recycling. That water is poisoning local wildlife and nearby fish farms, costing hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost product. After they
1: wash uh, the way the, the way they just discharge. So what happened is, some uh, recently, uh, at least two months, we have re- uh, get a report from some uh, uh, our fish pond and the pond ponds. Uh, uh, they, they, they they say they are they cannot harvest their 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 pond because all died.
2: While locals describe Gingerom as a town, there are actually around 30,000 people living there. It was set up during a 12-year conflict when the Malayan Communist Party tried to overthrow the British administration. Its residents are mainly Malay Chinese. The town is known for its agricultural produce as well as industrial factories and smelters, and these days for its recycling factories. The plastic that the factories can't recycle either because it's too contaminated or it's just not economical to do so, is either dumped or burned. Most of the burning happens at night, so authorities can't see the white, toxic smoke that wafts across the town. And that's having a terrible impact on the health of nearby residents. More
1: and more people feeling unwell, like they have a respiratory problem. They are coughing, difficult to... Asthma repeating happen. Maybe they have don't have a, heat, a history of asthma. Me, I'm not staying near uh, here, but another maybe you know uh, one kilometer. But my symptom is I feel very tired every day. Uh, my I also have a repeating um, coughing, or uh, I feel
2: uh, very 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 tired. Okay, and uh, headache. In July, local authorities visited 38 factories in the Kuala Langat area, but found only three had recycling permits. 14 have been shut down, but since then, Ms. Pua says four have started operating again. One just hours after it was closed. Ms. Pua and C.K. Lee are members of the newly formed Kuala Langat Environment Protection Committee which regularly ventures out at night to film the factories burning. The group has come together because of the growing fears the factories are poisoning their town. Mr Lee says corruption and a complete lack of enforcement mean the situation is now out of control.
3: Even when they are enforcing, uh, they are only doing it on the very surfacial basis. Very surfacial basis. Enforcement, many of the illegal factories actually closed for that day so no indication of any smoke discharge or fluid discharge and the the environmental enforcer you know uh, had given written reports to literally report that on inspection or on investment there was zero infringement
2: he says some licensed factories are given exemptions from certain environmental requirements with authorities turning a blind eye for the right price.
3: We assess case-to-case basis and when we feel that there is no such necessity we will issue a letter of support which which actually effectively letter exempting the factory from installing air filtration system. That's how the system
2: That's having disastrous effects on the area, he says, with human health, wildlife, and the environment all suffering.
3: We used to see, you know, fireflies at night, insects, you know, flying with a torchlight at, you know, at their abdomen. We used to see them, but there's none now.
4: To get a
2: view from the recycling side, I met a man working with the illegal factories in a busy Kuala Lumpur restaurant. He didn't want to be identified, but tells me he's in logistics, transporting plastic around various factories. He says 80% of the workers are Chinese and they are very good at their job. They only have to smell a piece of burning plastic to identify what type it is and how it should be dealt with. When I ask about the health impacts of sniffing that burning plastic, he says that's only a long-term concern. He estimates the factories he is working with are importing 30 shipping containers full of plastic a month, with the vast majority coming from Europe. He claims that most of the plastic imported is actually recycled, as much as 80%, but says there is little regard for the impact the processes have on the environment. I'm Nita Blake-Person and you're listening to an RNZ Insight investigation into plastic recycling in Malaysia. It's not just the impact on individuals and the environment that is making people worried. The boom in illegal plastic factories is also squeezing out companies which are doing things the right way from a central Kuala Lumpur office, Sangeeta Mohundas, describes how she was forced to shut down her factory, which was operating with all the necessary permits and environmental controls after China's ban was announced. The problem that I had
5: with my factory was that we did not have enough plastics to recycle, especially pet bottles, even though the whole of Malaysia especially our rivers and uh, waterways, were full of plastics.
2: The illegal factories are cutting corners, which she's not prepared to do. When you
5: operate illegally, all right, you do not have to pay water treatment. And water treatment does cost a lot, okay? because you have to have uh, competent people to run the water treatment facility. You've got to buy the coagulant, foculant, everything, the detergent, everything that goes into it. Um, that's one thing. One, they don't have water treatment, so it's cheaper. The th- next thing they probably could be hiring illegal workers. Okay, if you have legal versus illegal, I assure you that there's a price difference. All right. Okay. Then the other thing would be electricity. You see, if they're using the, the, the unusable plastics to just burn to create energy.
2: Ms. Mohunda says the plastic being imported in Malaysia is putting pressure on a country that's already struggling with its own waste crisis.
5: Malaysia is actually, according to statistics, we are number eight in terms of uh, plastic waste in the sea. We actually pollute. We're number eight. So we've made the top ten for wrong reasons.
2: On the other side of Malaysia, on the edge of the South China Sea... Plastic bottles cling to the coast and litter the shorelines. Searchers looking near here for the missing MH370 plane are reported to have falsely identified the remains of the plane several times, when in fact it was only plastic. In Kota Kinabalu, a city slightly larger than Christchurch that sits on the northern tip of Borneo, there is very little in the way of recycling. Most plastics here go straight to landfill or end up in the sea
3: high tide so when the tide is getting lower you can see more trash.
2: Nadira Mohammed refai works with a marine conservation group called Reef Check. She dives regularly for her work and sees plastic everywhere.
6: On the beach,
2: in the sea, under the water when you're diving you can see plastics um, caught on the corals. And that's taking its toll on the colourful reefs along Malaysia's coast. If it's caught on the reef, then it will make an impact. Actually,
6: it will kill the corals, um, I think. But mostly plastic materials, it will impact um, the marine life that
2: ingests them, like um, turtles or any marine mammals. Kota Kinabalu's landfill is reportedly on track to fill up in the next two years, Miss ReFi can't understand why Malaysia would import plastic when it has so much of its own already. We have problems dealing with our own waste and we are accepting waste from other countries, which I find it very weird. But a crackdown on Malaysia's plastic imports could be on the way. At the end of August, Malaysia celebrated its Independence Day. It was the first since a new government took office in May, the first change in government in the country's 60-year history. Many of the ministers and senior staffers are still settling into their new roles, including Maria Chin Abdullah, the MP for Petaling Jaya, a large city that runs into Kuala Lumpur. She says the environment is a priority for those now in power, but change won't happen overnight.
6: While we may have changed the government, but we are working within an old system. And um, the civil servants are from the past government and they follow the kind of uh, attitude that is left behind. Uh, so I'm not surprised that um, there may be allegations of corruption uh, and it still continue. Uh, it's just that we have to set up the policy and then uh,
2: take action on that. The government is reported to be taking the issue of the factories seriously. In July, it suspended the importing licences of 114 factories as it tried to verify which businesses were operating properly. But that suspension is reported to have lapsed less than one month later. Ms Abdullah says more action is needed.
6: We are only three months old as a new government. Um, Hopefully... um, Yobi yeah, who is the um, environmental minister, she will be able to take up some of this issue. Um, I mean, all these illegal factories will have to be closed down. It's not just um, pointing fingers at the uh, countries that are imported. Of course, if they have waste, they would want, anybody wants to uh, buy from them, they will sell. But uh, I'm asking my government that I hope that they will stop buying people's waste other countries' waste uh, and deal with our own waste because um, plastic is also a big issue here.
2: So where does that leave New Zealand and its thousands of tonnes of plastics piling up in warehouses around the country? It's a busy day at the smart environmental recycling factory in Thames. Waste from 16 councils is being processed here, but it's not just plastics turning up. Around 15% of what is processed is rubbish.
4: It's just general rubbish, to be honest. Um, Everything from car parts, as I said, dead cats, condoms, nappies, water water blasters. It's crazy that people think that that sort of stuff's recyclable.
2: Lane Sefton is the central region manager for Smart Environmental, the third largest recycling company in New Zealand. His staff sort through waste to find what can be recycled and then identify where it needs to go for that to happen. Plastic grades 1 and 2, which are easy to process and valuable for recycling, can be dealt with in New Zealand. But beyond that, grades 3 to 7 are harder to sort and have less value. Mr Sefton says those plastics are shipped overseas where they become someone else's problem out of sight and out of mind.
4: Well, it's everything really that isn't uh, in your kitchen or your laundry. So generally if you can eat out of it, for example, uh, berry pottles and it's clear plastic, they're um, PET, very recyclable. Your clear milk bottles um, through to genola containers and those sorts of things are all good recyclable plastic. It's the hard plastic, if you can snap it, it's generally very difficult to to use at all. Uh, It's the cling wrap, it's the outside of chip packets and biscuit packets, all very difficult to um, find any use for.
2: Smart Environmental is running out of room for the plastics it collects. Flies are buzzing around the plastic bales, which are piled up in the factory's yard, ready to be shipped overseas. Mr. Sefton says while his plant has been shipping to Indonesia rather than Malaysia, other smart environmental factories have sent their waste there. He says since China's ban took effect, the price that they can sell their plastic for has plummeted and they're losing money exporting it. But they have no choice. Desperate to recoup costs from collecting and sorting the plastic, Mr. Sefton says they will sell it to whoever they can and if they're approached by an overseas buyer, they don't ask too many questions about where it's going.
4: We can't sit on that in the hope that we're going to get a better market or, from a moral perspective, there's a better option to use it. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, if we can move it on and cover our costs and the final outcome appears to be recycling, then that's what we'll do.
2: And no, no questions asked type policy?
4: Ideally, we'd love to know what the end product uh, use is. Uh, but I think as you've, you've experienced, it's very hard to get that information. But really, I don't know that there's anyone in the country could tell you what happens to three to seven, where it goes, how it's used, and what the end products are.
2: He says New Zealand's current recycling setup, which has no central hub for the country's waste or strategy for how to deal with it, is no longer viable.
4: Humans are lazy. They take the easy option. Um, if they can get rid of their rubbish, uh, really all they're concerned about is putting it at the front gate And forgetting about it. If it doesn't get collected it's a very emotive issue and really they want to see it gone. People want to feel good about recycling but they've got to understand that it comes at a cost and if uh, the public aren't prepared to pay and the councils aren't prepared to pay I don't think it's fair that commercial companies are now landed with the crisis that we've got at the moment because really at the end of the day it is a societal issue.
2: Recyclers in both New Zealand and Malaysia agree that the way recycling works at the moment isn't sustainable, not for the environment or their businesses. Sivapalan Katharavali runs a waste management centre near Kuala Lumpur. It deals with a range of waste products, including plastics, and converts them into new products as well as energy and fuel. He says there is a way of doing better with recycling, but it comes at a cost.
7: Whatever that is collected, not everything can be recycled. There is enough technology today to recycle 70, 60-70% on an economical basis. But there is also technology which can even go up to 90%. But the economics of going up to 90% is so much more higher. Meaning the product that is a resultant of that very high recycling rate is very expensive.
2: But Mr Katharavali is an optimist. He says if New Zealand exporters are able to work with the right people in Malaysia, then the plastic problem also presents an opportunity.
7: Malaysia having the experience of handling all these plastics, right now because it's coming through various different uh, third-party sellers, instead of it coming through a third-party seller... Malaysian operators can then deal directly with New Zealand exporters to look at a joint venture and processing it in New Zealand itself or processing it in Malaysia under licence.
2: Tracing exactly where New Zealand's plastic goes when it leaves our ports is virtually impossible. Recyclers and councils here typically sell the plastics to a broker who then on-sells it to factories across Asia for processing. Waste Management, one of the largest recyclers in the country, confirmed they sold plastic to Malaysia but didn't have details of where it ended up. EnviroWaste, the other major New Zealand recycler, would not tell Insight anything about their exports. One broker confirmed he was selling New Zealand's waste to Malaysia, but refused to identify or give details of the factories it was going to. Sandra Murray, a waste management consultant who works with a number of businesses and councils in the Upper North Island, says there's no way of controlling what happens to our plastic when it leaves the country.
8: They would be sold to whoever is offering the highest rate of return um, to the New Zealand companies who are selling it or on-selling it. Um, In many cases that might be the people who are uh, able to offer that rate of return because their environmental regulations or um, ways of doing things are perhaps not up to our standards uh, or perhaps their labour practices are not what we would consider acceptable and that's how they're able to, to make a profit.
2: She says council staff don't have the time or resources to trace the waste but notes that a large portion of it is likely coming from the private sector.
8: Councils have actually got quite a small proportion of the waste stream under their control, um, you know, various accounts, between 12 and 20%. We're still looking at 80% or more of the waste stream that is not under council control, and the people who do control that waste stream are under no obligation to minimise their waste in that.
2: But she says ultimately the buck stops with manufacturers who have got to move away from the plastic packaging they have become so reliant on.
8: Companies and corporations f- have a belief that their only obligation is to their shareholders, and technically that is true. But there is a moral obligation for them to um, to cause no harm with their products. Uh, and while they have uh, used their, their power and their influence to undermine environmental regulation so that they can externalise costs, uh, reduce the price of their product, but cause environmental harm along the way, we need to, to plug those gaps and to make it that producers of products and people who retail products uh, become responsible for the end of life of those products.
2: Throughout last year, New Zealand sent 6,300 tonnes of plastic to Malaysia. We've already sent nearly 6,000 tonnes so far this year. That pales in comparison to UK exports, which are estimated to be around 250,000 tonnes in just the first three months of 2018. But it's not just Malaysia that's receiving our waste. Indonesia is now the number one destination for New Zealand's plastic. Seven and a half thousand tonnes have been sent there so far this year. Thailand, Hong Kong and Vietnam are the other three top export countries. But in the past couple of months, Vietnam and Thailand have both signalled they will be restricting the types of waste they import. Le Peng says it doesn't matter which country the plastic is coming from. Everyone needs to take responsibility for their own waste.
1: It will create a, a really, really a big disaster in this area, uh, uh, our marine life and even our people here and our drinking waters. So I hope that those countries, they can settle their own uh, produce uh, rubbish instead of send to our uh, area.
2: Ms Boa and the other Gingerom residents are desperate for the factories to be gone. They are sick of their community being used as a dumping ground for the world's waste and fear for their health and the health of their children. Ms Poor describes the plastic factories as a silent killer, which could affect their entire state. In China, they are causing now thousands of these factories. Why?
1: Because surrounding area of these uh, uh, factory, a lot of people get sick, including cancer. So they even have a, a, a risk called... Cancer village. And I would say our stage going to be
2: cancer stage. CK Lee says New Zealand and the other countries sending their plastic to Malaysia need to know what's happening to it when it gets there. While it may not be happening in New Zealand's backyard, he says everyone has an obligation to take care of the planet and cause no harm.
3: I believe, you know, there is this moral responsibilities on the exporting countries to ensure that they know. Where do their rubbish go? How are they processed? They have this moral responsibility because we are talking about one earth, we are talking about one world, and they are equally responsible. Not just in their own country, but they are responsible for the
0: whole earth, whole world. That programme was written and presented by Nita Black-Person, if you'd like to discover some great listening, you can head to our page at rnz.co.nz forward slash insight, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, rugby, the Pacific, and soft diplomacy. I'm Philip Tolley, and that's all from Insight for today. Lovely to have you with us, and do join us again next week.